0: see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Agni Vechkita. She is an intuitive business coach, a theta healing instructor, an Akashic record reading practitioner, a radical forgiveness coach, and a soul collage facilitator. Welcome, Agni. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you, Brett. I'm doing great. I'm very excited to be here with
0: you. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I'm really excited to have you here as well. So with that being said, let's jump in. Agni, that is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and one hell of an extensive resume. And it would seem that there's a common thread that ties all of these things together with one another. I'm curious, how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization to you?
1: Well, yes, you're right. All of the things, all of the hats that I wear, they kind of, they go under one hat. (laughs) And usually that hat is what does my client need right now? Okay. So, so that's, these are all the tools in my belt. The client presents the problem, and then I pick whatever tool that needs to happen (laughs) that they need.
0: So I'm very curious, then, with you wearing so many hats, what does your morning routine look like?
1: Okay, so my morning routine is... I don't have a morning routine. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm not the 5 a.m. club person. I'm more of a night owl, actually. So Me too. For me, the most important thing in the morning is to have time to myself. And that is... Kind of like a slow morning. I like a slow morning. So if I have something at eight in the morning, I will wake up earlier just to give myself that time to not rush through everything. There's one thing that is very set in my morning routine, if you can call it that. I drink celery juice every morning. Okay. That is for my mental health, physical health, everything else. And yeah. I will usually have some kind of raw smoothie. So yeah. vegetables and leaves yeah. and then fruits. And this is something that if I'm traveling and I don't bring a blender with me or just right, <laughs> with yes. me, then usually I will start missing this after a couple of days or weeks.
0: But so. otherwise, that's a non-negotiable is yes. the raw smoothie, yeah. the fruits, vegetables. Okay. What drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do?
1: Sometimes it feels like I don't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Because how I kind of came to where I am today, it started by being driven from getting out, of being depressed and unhappy and unfulfilled and seeking, searching for my path. And once I found that path, it just, I get excited every time I can work with someone new, I can help someone. There is no other path really for me. Yeah, there's no choice. It just this. is. Yeah. It just It's yeah. just
0: who you are and mm-hmm. this is it. You just do it. I love it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I want to speak a little bit about your coaching journey and just coaching in general. I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches, have gone through their personal journey and struggles. But that was that personal journey or struggle was the thing before leaping into coaching. And I mean, of course, we've all had our own shit to deal with and go through. We're human beings. Everybody has their struggles. But what I've found is that the women I'm speaking with who are coaches, that that particular struggle or journey was the catalyst that Mm. led them into or propelled them into the coaching world. Can you share a little bit about your own personal journey and struggles that led you?
1: Yeah. So my, I, I would say my journey probably started, actively started when I was about 25 And I was deeply depressed at that time, kind of having suicidal thoughts and very disillusioned with the corporate world, which was where I was at the time, realizing that I do not see myself making a difference. And I need to make a difference. I need to make an impact to be able to have a fulfilling life for myself. And I mean I'm articulating this from very much a hindsight. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Many
1: years have passed from that time but I felt very empty and I felt very disappointed in myself because I thought that something was wrong with me that I was not created right something's happening to me where I'm different to other people who are capable and able to find peace and happiness in the corporate world so yes yeah, so this is where i began and being in that deep dark space i realized that my only way forward the only if i want to get out of this i have to come back to something that has been close to me from the time when i was about 12 which is when i read my first spiritual book
0: wow at 12
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> all right
1: i was quite a mature teenager in, in certain <laughs> certain aspects <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And I was always very, very interested in psychology, spirituality, anything kind of human behavior, mindset, that kind of thing. So that's what I did. I I came back to some of the books that I used to read. and, And that helped me to slowly start coming out of the depression. When I was finally able to look for a job, I started looking for a job that was a little bit more creative. So it's something that felt a little bit more connected to who I am. It still wasn't great, but it was better. And then eventually, I actually decided, okay, I am done with theory. I need something practical. I need a tool to help me to come out of this. And that tool for me was Soul Collage. That was the first modality that I met on my journey. And it was the first time I was actually able to experience what it feels like to be connected with my soul and to hear the voice of my soul. And it was mind blowing for me. And it was also the time in that seminar where i discovered what soul collage was this was when i was looking at my teacher and i'm like i want to do this this is the work i want to do <laughs> it was the first time this ever happened to me it was so incredibly exciting because oh i know what i want to do i want to help people i want to teach and we started with soul collage but it wasn't about soul collage it was about me stepping on this journey of becoming a coach a healer an intuitive teacher
0: having those aha moments are so incredibly powerful Mm
1: -hmm. yes very true
0: so, how have these experiences helped shape the agony you are today, both personally and professionally? Do you think? Mm.
1: I would say without these experiences, I wouldn't be who I am. Because one of the most painful things for me to go through depression, besides the actual process of being depressed, but it stripped me of everything I thought I was, it stripped me of my identity. So, it was very much a dark night of the soul, it was very much an, a big ego death, but it also gave me the courage because at the time I also felt like a complete disappointment to my family to myself to everything but going through that surviving that and saying okay well I did that I'm still here I'm still alive thankfully so I'm no longer afraid to try new things to dare to do something that nobody else maybe has done in my family or even in my circle because I don't come from a spiritual family my family is open to that, yeah. but I don't have healers and psychics and, and things like that in my family. At least I don't think for like tens of generations.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this wasn't something that a path that I could have thought of even as a teenager. But this is this is the path that I chose, and I think that stripping off all of the false identities allowed me to become a seeker of truth. truth about who am I, who I, you know, what is the truth? What is a lie?
0: And so what was the biggest or most valuable takeaway for you through those experiences? Would you say?
1: The biggest, I think that this was a big part, the truth, the fact I can be very okay. And I am also very good at helping other people go through the same process.
0: Those uncomfortable truths are hard to take. Sometimes it's, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of work because you're looking and digging deep within. And a lot of people don't like to do that because they're scared of what they'll find and what they'll see. So mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work, definitely.
1: Yeah. And it takes a lot of compassion.
0: And courage.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just acceptance, I think, in general. Just yeah. the, this, is, this is kind of where I've gotten to by now. It's like anytime I choose to go into a process of dealing with anything that's going on, it's just knowing i will probably find uncomfortable truths yeah. in in myself and that's okay and i get excited about ooh what's behind this door
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to look at it so i have to ask what is a radical forgiveness coach. And what inspired the root in the coaching world of becoming a radical forgiveness coach? Can you share the type of work you do with your clients? Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, so radical forgiveness coaching, it it came to me in the form of a book first. And once I read the book, and it was a very supportive book for me at the time because this was the moment where I was just getting in touch with my feelings and I wasn't really sure what to do with the feelings that were coming up so radical forgiveness it's a very simple process of how to deal with hurt and pain and anything any kind of resentment and anger it has a a worksheet it has a clear kind of workflow how you can go through understanding yourself and for me radical forgiveness was something that gave me permission to feel there's a five-step kind of process how radical forgiveness is but the second step is feeling your feelings <laughs> <laughs> and at the time i was told someone that if somebody offended me it would probably take me two weeks to realize that i was offended or hurt so this was very new and it gave me a container so once i actually got that container for myself and mastered it i was like oh i would love to sh- give it to others and i was working with radical forgiveness exclusively only for, for a short period of time probably for about a year until i realized i need something stronger and something more that goes goes deeper into the subconscious mind and help gives me the tools to work with blocks and beliefs and things that reside in the subconscious mind because that's usually where all the answers are. And this is where I went into theater healing and becoming a theater healing professional. But what I always bring from radical's forgiveness into my work even today with my clients, it's the connection to the feelings. Learning to name them, learning to so sometimes I feel like I am the kind of like the emotional intelligence teacher (laughs) to to my clients because I have to give them words, like feeling words so Mm -hmm. they can choose something that kind of corresponds with how they feel, because it was definitely a big journey for me.
0: Forgiveness is such a huge and important piece because so often we get stuck in those feelings of anger and resentment for what people may have done or things that have happened to us and we can't move forward without Mm -hmm. that forgiveness piece. You'll stay stuck. It's like a weight around your neck and the Mm -hmm. forgiveness piece of it is not even for them. It's for you absolutely so that you can move forward
1: mm-hmm Yeah, because forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. No. At all. It's just releasing the heavy pain that you're carrying and the pain and the anger and resentment. And it takes so much energy out of you that you could, instead of just sort of sending that energy subconsciously or consciously to the person that hurt you, you could take that energy and use it in your own life.
0: That's right. Agni, what is one tip or takeaway that you could provide so that listeners can implement immediately in order to start stepping? into their own journey into forgiveness.
1: So I'm going to share what helped me on this journey of forgiveness. I am someone that tends to blame myself rather than others. So it really changed my perspective. The freedom and the permission that I got through the process of radical forgiveness is even for just a moment for the process itself to take place, to be able to assign blame to someone outside of me. Okay. Whether that was actually the truth or not, just taking it outside of me. Because that's something I learned through radical forgiveness that it's easier to forgive someone outside of you than to forgive yourself. Right. So just that moment, just allowing to take the blame outside of you, put it somewhere so you can look at it. Okay. You can feel, you can look, you can examine, you can tell the story. And then once you've done that, then you can actually choose to go into, okay, what's the other side of this? What other hidden lessons, are there hidden insights there where it is eventually in the end, you can let it go.
0: Release, yeah. Okay, thank you very much for that. Agni, what is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else?
1: Okay, well, I believe it's a personal choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think what is unique to my work Is that especially now, my work always takes everyone back to the connection to their soul. Whether we are working on a personal matter or a business matter. This is the beginning. The connection to the soul is the beginning. And the answers usually come from there. And the solutions usually come from there. And also, the soul has such an immense amount of healing energy that is actually available to every single one of us from within. So, I mean, this just... My joy and my love... For this work is the empowerment that i can provide for other people to show them how much power they actually have within themselves and i believe that this is probably what sets my work apart because i don't like creating dependency i love bringing people into empowerment so they can create their life and their business
0: how has your coaching style evolved from when you first started to now
1: a lot <laughs> Yeah, my coaching journey started with radical forgiveness coaching, which is, I would say it's a lot more mental. There's a process, you follow it, you ask questions. And I always had that fear of, I don't know what question to ask. How do I know if it's the right question to ask? And then as I moved deeper into my own journey with my intuitive gifts and through the process of Theta Healing, which is, gave me that freedom of not having to know anything, just trusting that the right question comes at the right time. And over seven years of doing that (laughs) exclusively, pretty much, it gave me confidence. I've grown my confidence in knowing that now sometimes I don't need to wait for divine inspiration to get a question. I know what question to ask. Yeah. So it's a lot more fun. It's more like I sometimes compare it to learning to play an instrument. In the beginning you have to practice scales. freaking boring and you freak out you know i don't play an instrument but i've seen other people who learn it so and then at some point once you master it you can improvise you can it becomes jazz yeah it becomes something creative so this is where i am right now i think with my coaching journey beautiful. I'm, I'm in a place where i can improvise and, and trust that the right i have enough tools and that the right tools will show up in the right moment
0: i love that analogy of the music that's beautiful What are three of the most important lessons you've learned so far in your career as a coach?
1: Trust, trusting the process. (laughs) I think that was a big one, (laughs) a really big one. Trusting the process and also trusting my client. We come into a mutual space of transformation where I'm the guide I'm the support, but it's their process. So it's not my responsibility. And I think that's the next one is really understanding whose responsibility and for what and not taking on too much responsibility on my shoulders. So it doesn't burden me. It doesn't freak me out. And just the third one is, I think it's it's being in the truth and being comfortable the truth because i think that is probably one of the biggest gifts i can give to my clients especially when it comes more from that intuitive aspect where i'm giving information rather than helping a person through questions yeah it's being myself being okay with the truth and sometimes it's uncomfortable truths i have to share that
0: uncomfortable piece oh yes Yes. (laughs) (laughs) what lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do as a coach
1: Every time I work with someone, I am given a gift of being able to connect and touch their soul. And it's impossible not to love people when you do that. It's, it's absolutely impossible because there is no bad soul. There is no soul. People make decisions they make. They are who they are and everyone has their own journey. But souls are absolute love. Hmm. So it's, I don't know how not to be inspired by that. <laughs>
0: It's hard not to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. I would have to work very hard not to be inspired by that.
0: So I'm very curious to hear how your spiritual journey began. Was there Mm -hmm. a catalyst moment in your life that led to the spiritual path or led you down the spiritual path? And if so, can you share that Mm -hmm. with us?
1: Okay, so as I said, I read my first spiritual book at 12. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of weird. It's almost without me really, really understanding how I got there, I was gently nudged on a spiritual path from almost the moment I was born. I had a lot of problems, physical problems as a child. I was quite a sick kid. I would have a respiratory system. Anything bronchitis, anything having to do with breathing, I would get it. (laughs) So as a child, I mean, I was already on so many antibiotics by the time I was two years old. My parents didn't know what to do. and I mean, Lithuania at the time didn't exist on the map. This was part of Soviet Union. There is not a lot of options. You have antibiotics and you have antibiotics. That's it. So my dad had talked to someone at his work and it was very hushed because this thing should not have existed. But he was told about a woman who was an energy healer who might help me. So from the age of two to the age of 12, every winter, <laughs> I would consistently visit this woman. And she actually helped me from developing asthma. So almost from a tiny child, I was presented to the realm of something else, something that's not physically touchable. Yeah. So I grew up with this idea that this is normal. Also, my family is very open and I said I read... My first spiritual book, an adult book. (laughs) This was written for adults who were seeking kind of spiritual guidance. And I read it at 12 and I understood everything. I understood all the concepts. It was almost like a memory coming back. So it was a very natural, a very gradual process of me just being a curious child and a teenager and reading all these books that I would go, actually, I would go to the bookstore and I knew all the books (laughs) that were there.
0: (laughs) What was that first book called?
1: So it's a book written by, it's called The Diagnostics of Karma. Okay. It's not translated into English because it was written by a Russian author okay. and translated into Lithuania. He's written a number of books and he was kind of like the first, I suppose, new age spiritual teacher that was available to this region of the world yeah. And then the books from the West started coming in. right? So I read and, and I applied and it made sense. To me, all the spiritual logic, it made more sense probably than human logic. <laughs> <laughs> as a teenager it's very easy you don't have a lot of traumas well at least i thankfully didn't have a lot of traumas to kind of lock me in yeah so the mind is very open it's very easy to just oh take it in apply and see and i also saw it in action so that kind of very much solidified my connection to the principles that were presented in a lot of the new age teacher books
0: and so When did you realize then that you had the gift of being a healer and Hmm. an intuitive? And did you struggle at all to understand and realize what the gifts were that you had? Or was it fairly easy to embrace them?
1: Well, I think I wasn't born with a psychic gift or a healing gift. I had a strong intuition, very strong intuition. And I was also encouraged to develop it. So I think the first glimpses of me having this gift were probably when I was, I don't know, 21, 22. I would just have a feeling about something for my friends, usually. And some of them were open to receive that kind of information from me. And it worked, I mean, for them. And I was like, oh, maybe I have something. (laughs) So secretly, I kind of really wanted to have a gift, like a a healing gift or a spiritual gift. But also, it took me a long time to accept that I could be worthy of something like that.
0: But at least you had that encouragement to step into the gifts, which is important because a lot of people don't get that. Mm -hmm. People think it's weird. People hide it. All of those things, right?
1: Yeah. At least, I mean, at least I didn't have to hide it from my family. But the first time I kind of received a very clear download of information was, it was a visit from my grandmother who passed away a few years ago. And she basically gave me messages for each family member. Wow. And I had to somehow find a way how to give that message. And I remember freaking out because the feeling at the time I had no tools, how to manage that, how to kind of access it or close it or in any way. It yeah. was, it, the feeling was somebody just opened my head, stuffed information down it. <laughs> and I have no choice but to give that information to
0: you other get people. It, out, yeah. it was
1: really scary. And I think my family kind of freaked out as well, because one thing is to accept in theory that this exists, but there is another thing where to be faced with someone very close to you who actually has a gift and is telling you information you probably don't want to hear because now all the messages were nice. Some of them had carried some hard truths yeah. in them and it was difficult. So I'm pretty sure I freaked them out. No doubt. <laughs> I freaked I'm myself sure out. you did.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I had a couple of those type of episodes where like out of nowhere, I just suddenly start receiving a bunch of information that I don't know to do with it. But then thankfully, very soon after these things started, I discovered Theta Healing. And that gave me the actual practical tools, how to gently access my information, how to gently access my gift, how to develop it and grow it and gave it a very clear channel where to put it. Yeah.
0: And when did you really embrace your gifts and start to use them to help people?
1: I would say right after I completed the basic course in Theta Healing, I was full in and I knew I wanted to use this to help people Mm -hmm. but at the time I was practicing so I was mostly doing readings and sessions for my friends. Right,
2: right. (laughs) Who were brave enough to trust me. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. So as I kinda gained confidence and okay, well I am getting some good information and I can help people and then it expanded and I started working and started Getting paid for <laughs> this, <laughs> and then once you get paid, you kind of have you have to. There's no turning back. Exactly. So it's okay. Somebody paid me for this, so I <laughs> time, to,
0: time to step up <laughs> Let's and step this. in. Yeah, being trained in multiple areas and other modalities. Can you speak a bit about that and how you incorporate those into your work when working with your clients?
1: Yeah, I think Akashic Records are the, is the only one that is a little bit separate. Because it's a very specific process going to get very specific kind of information. But I still, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do this without my intuitive gifts. And the thing is, now I know for myself that everyone has an ability to develop intuitive gifts. It's going to look very different to what what mine is. It's very individual. But I have learned to just listen, to listen to my clients, to listen to the situation. So... Whatever needs whatever is needed for that moment, it's going to present itself. That information is going to come through. So I do have plenty of tools in my on my belt and I wanna learn a million other <laughs> modalities. But <laughs> joy of learning something new. Yeah. But I know it's not necessary. People who come to me, they come to me because I on some level they know I am the person that can help them.
0: No. Being a business intuitive and mindset coach, can you speak to how important a part mindset has played in helping you through your struggles and just how important mindset is to our daily routines and successes?
1: Oh, it's incredibly important. I would say without the mindset work and it goes even deeper than mindset because mindset is is more of a conscious, what do you consciously choose to believe, to speak, to what kind of thoughts you send out. But it's the subconscious part that is really important. Honestly, I wouldn't have a business without this work. Wow. Because at all. Because I know when I started my business and and this was 10 years ago, actually, I back then I was trying to bring people into a soul collage courses like events, the level of panic and fear that would come up for me anytime I wanted to create an event. And the thing is, I enjoyed the actual events. I enjoyed teaching. There was no problem. But the resistance and the fear and, and just, oh, my God, I had so much work to do. On myself yeah because in theory i knew what i needed to do i knew the steps i had studied business it's i learned a whole bunch of things online everywhere else how do you do this that was not a problem the problem was inside of me a lot of worthiness issues a lot of even money beliefs about and it all came out right as i started my business. Uh, of
2: course <laughs> <laughs> which
1: is which is i know for a lot of people that's the truth once they get start on their journey of entrepreneurship all of the stuff starts coming up to the surface. And there are enough stresses mm. as an entrepreneur <laughs> that you have to deal with in the real world. But then there is the inner world. Which is the most crazy. difficult
0: one. I think that's yes. more far more difficult than the external things yes. is getting right within yourself and believing in yourself and being able to overcome all of those inner voices, those gremlins mm-hmm. that we all have.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So as I said, I wouldn't have a business if I didn't do this work. I mean, for me, this was my solution. Usually, if I have a problem, I will first go inside and then I will look for what do I need to do on the outside. And I think this saved me actually a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. And it gave me kind of that breadcrumbs, the path, like, what is the next step? What do I need to do? That's my journey. And I mean, I meandered a lot. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Long (laughs) lot winding road.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I did have a lot of... I was discovering most of it myself. And now what I love doing for my clients is actually helping them through that understanding. Okay, is your problem, the problem you're facing, is it the outside world problem or the inside? And then if it's the inside world problem, there are a whole bunch of tools and modalities that can help you.
2: And let's get down to
0: work. Let's roll up our sleeves and get down to it.
1: Yeah. And I think it can be an incredibly beautiful journey
0: for sure it'll push you Mm -hmm. and stretch you in ways you didn't even know possible
1: yes
0: (laughs) now i want to continue on this whole mindset thing business and the struggles that go along with all of it so often we hear from experts like yourself who have overcome the adversity and transformed through their pain into their purpose which is amazing and powerful in itself I'd love to hear from you now with all that you've gone through and come out the other side. What are some of the struggles and things that you face today around mindset, Mm -hmm. imposters and all of these things, just to name a few? I'm sure you'd agree that just because we've been through the struggles and been through the trenches and come out the other side successfully does not mean that we still don't struggle. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, of course. I think you you named one, imposter syndrome, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Especially anytime I go... Do to do something bigger than I was doing. All of a sudden, it's almost like the same topics come up. They are just not that strong anymore because the biggest demons have been looked at and and, tamed. (laughs) No, I don't slay (laughs) demons. I tame them. (laughs) I make friends with them (laughs) because they usually carry a valuable message. There you go. So we don't need to slay them. We can just become friends. So it's almost the same topics they keep coming up, and it's the how much goodness can I receive? It's that like upper ceiling concept that Gay Hendrix talks about in his book, The Big Leap. I think that book is just, wow, one of my favorites when it comes to like business mindset, Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Because it's just very well explained how things, how it works and, and what happens. So, yeah, imposter syndrome, that the, kind of like the upper ceiling. It can be abundance questions. We're receiving, can I receive more? Am I allowed to receive more? And there is maybe some ancestral pattern that comes up in that moment. So it's, for me, it's an everyday kind of journey. And it's usually now, like before it used to be these big things, that came from whatever situations in my childhood and my youth. Now it's more just noticing the little things. Yeah. Because when the little things are not noticed, they can become big. And so now it's just everyday maintenance. And
0: That's it. Because you've already knows. learned to kind of turn the volume down. So you're able to yeah. adapt much quicker mm-hmm. than you were previously
1: yes. yeah absolutely yeah. and i notice the same thing with my clients as well especially the ones that i've worked through over a long period of time they no longer come to me with this big dramatic stories. they come to me because i don't feel right
2: like, yeah. this
1: doesn't feel good and i know i can feel better than i am and this is causing some kind of inner turmoil for me and i want to know what it is yeah
0: what is one tip or takeaway that you can provide that listeners can implement immediately to start reconditioning their mind for the success hmm. they want?
1: Okay. I'm going to share something that I recently heard on a webinar. Okay. And I thought this is, I, I kind of intuitively would do this. But this is very powerful. So when you catch yourself berating yourself, yep. oh, I, oh, I'm an idiot, I should not have done this, blah, 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 all of that. You can stop in that moment and say, cancel, delete. It's kind of like, a I don't know, <laughs> it's like an incantation. Yeah. <laughs> cancel, delete. <laughs> <The> guardian Leviosa. <laughs> and in that moment, you can just say, okay, cancel, delete. All of those thoughts I'm removing. I'm not choosing to create from those thoughts. But what do I want instead? Okay, so if I made a mistake, okay. So instead of saying I'm an idiot, for making a mistake. I'm saying cancel, delete, the idiot part. And I can say, well... I can learn from this mistake and I've learned this and that. So next time I'm going to do this and that. And I'm a person who's learning. So it's kind of like playing with affirmations instead of saying I'm an idiot. You can say I'm a person who learns from my mistakes.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for that. Let's get into this whole soul collage thing. I'm very intrigued. I would love for you to share what soul collage is And what you Mm -hmm. do as a facilitator, what are the benefits of the work you do as a soul collage Mm -hmm. facilitator for your clients?
1: Okay. So soul collage is a technique. It's a creative technique. Mm -hmm. So you know what collage is, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So what we do with soul collage, this is a way of creating an individual card for different parts of your personality by using the the medium of collage. So you just have a bunch of magazines, Mm -hmm. you, Go through them, pull some images you like. And then from those images, you intuitively just put together a picture on a small cardboard card. So that's the first part. Okay. And it's fully intuitive. There is no no rules, basically. And then once you do that, you learn to talk to that card. So it starts with the beginning of the sentence starts. I am the one who. But you, as you look at the what you created, you almost embody it. Or imagine if this was a person, if this image could talk, what would it say? I am the one who... And then whatever naturally either comes out of your mouth or through your hand, if you're writing, this is how you get to know yourself. So this is the essence of right. so-called. This is what we do. Yeah. Essentially. And as a facilitator, I can bring people together and teach them. Because there is a little bit more about different types of cards, different types of parts of personality. But the idea is that by giving voice and giving space for different aspects of you, your ego, your soul, your connection to different archetype, archetypal energies, because we are each connected to different archetypal energies, you learn to get to know yourself. And it brings a lot of understanding without judgment. A lot of compassion. And because I mean I have created probably about five hundred cards by now. Wow. <laughs> yes. But what I learned is that certain aspects of me as I grow, as I learn, they change. So it's almost like the card is no longer it has no it no longer has any energy in it. Right. So you kind of retire the card. And create and a new one. After, yeah. And after a while, you create a new one for the same part of you. And you can see it transform and grow and change. So that was one kind of interesting revelation. Yeah. And then the other part, which was very quick and very early in the process, where we are mostly using the same aspects of ourselves on a daily basis. Yeah. Because it's what our life requires us to use. But we can get stuck in the idea that this is just all of me. That's all that exists of me. And a a lot of the times people get stuck on the harder and the nastier parts of themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I need to hide this. Through the process of soul collage, I learned that the part of me that I know of myself is so small. And there's so, so, so much more that really doesn't have a chance in my everyday life to come out and be seen so that gave me a lot of self-acceptance and i've seen this as well with other people where i remember somebody came to my i was doing like a seven seven event course where we were going through a particular process with soul collage and she said this is better than therapy (laughs) (laughs) this is more effective than therapy because i have learned so much more and because you give the space and you give the words to the cards, it transforms, it actually transforms your relationship with that aspect of you.
0: Wow. That's pretty damn yeah. powerful. Sounds it is, incredible. It is.
1: It's very simple, but it's very powerful.
0: Yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? What was your life like mm-hmm. after you learned it?
1: For me, my life is kind of like before depression, after depression. <laughs> <laughs> Because that was such a, it's like a quarter century, 25 years, that quarter life crisis, people call it. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that I cannot be defined forever. Nobody can. There is that I am this today. And yes, there are parts of me that will probably remain consistent throughout my entire life because they come out of my soul. They're a part of my soul. So it's a part of my true identity. And then there are many things that will change. And I think I learned to embrace that change.
0: Change is tough.
1: Yes. (laughs) But it's fun. Yes. It's so fun to, maybe not in the process of changing, but afterwards. (laughs) When you you look
0: back on it, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes.
1: But it's It's getting into that
0: headspace.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I learned to embrace change. Of me, of my world around me, my business. I I mean, I've changed the direction of my business in the last 10 years, probably six, seven times. Yeah. Voluntarily, <laughs> most of the time.
0: <laughs> it's also getting used to change. Oh, yeah. Which is not easy. Yeah. What yeah. do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful?
1: So one of them is just that kind of, it's, I would almost call it stubbornness. It's the stubborn determination to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> when everything is screaming at me, no. <laughs> 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 or when it's hard. But it's just uh, kind of a mix of stubbornness and curiosity and just wanting to get to the end or to the bottom yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. So I think that that was definitely a, a very big part of my success. A unique, well, a superpower and a gift that comes with my intuitive gifts is the ability to translate subconscious mind and soul logic Mm -hmm. into human logic for myself and for my clients. Yeah, And to kind of make sense of things that don't make sense,
0: (laughs) actually. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you?
1: Success, for me, means freedom to be as close to your true self As possible and to create from that space to create your business to create whatever you feel like creating art yeah the life you want (laughs) the life you want exactly relationships yeah that's for me success
0: what challenge in your life
1: has shaped you the most there are a couple of things so one my business journey i think that because it presents different challenges at different times But I would say this was sort of the rope for me to hold on to in the physical world of what was my motivation to keep going and to keep growing. And the other challenge that it's relationships and a relationship that kind of a relationship breakdown that I experienced in my 20s with my family, with my partner at the time. It was a big sort of break, literally nearly broke me in two, but it as hard as it was, Again, it led me on the journey of finding forgiveness and finding a different relationship with myself and with everyone that was involved in that situation.
0: That's beautiful and so powerful. What does the word empowerment mean to you?
1: I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big part of who I am and what I want to bring into the world. And the help, It's in a way... It's giving freedom to, again, be your your full self, your true self, as much as as you can. And also, it's to say, fuck it. I don't care.
2: (laughs) There you go. I love that. (laughs) I
1: don't care what other people say. This is my choice. And I'm going to choose it. And I'm going to take responsibility for whatever comes out of that choice.
0: There you go. The responsibility. That radical Mm -hmm. responsibility. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? How would you describe yourself in one word? Rebel. (laughs) (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be?
1: That everyone has the freedom to create from what is their calling.
0: What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Connection. What is your favorite self-care practice?
1: Ah, Swimming in the ocean. (laughs) when i can can access it
0: (laughs) if you could be remembered for one thing what would it be truth what is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance
1: courage to seek the truth
0: that concludes our rapid fire section now back to our regularly scheduled program (laughs) agni if you could step into my shoes what question would you have asked yourself that i didn't ask you
1: I don't know if there is a question, you've asked (laughs) so many good (laughs) questions. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I can't think of any.
0: Okay. What is something surprising you've learned about yourself in the last year?
1: Surprising I think surprising was it it was not a pleasant experience. (laughs) (laughs) But what was surprising was to learn that there were pockets of pain and regret that I was carrying inside of me over decisions that I've made, things I chose to do, not from a place of malice or anything, but just usually from not knowing any better, Yeah. that were still living inside of me. And actually being able to let go of that and how much freedom it gave me.
0: The releasing. That was the, Yet again, yeah, I see release. a theme here, Agni. Mm. <laughs> a lot of releasing. Yes. <laughs> If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why?
1: My Angela, just because she was such a fascinating woman of such courage and such transformative power within herself. And she was just, in a way, she was a warrior of truth and empowerment, especially for women.
0: If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: Trust your gut a lot more especially for big decisions. And don't be afraid to disappoint anyone.
0: Beautiful advice. Lastly, Agni, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your people, your corner of the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart?
1: All the answers that you're looking to the big questions of your life, they're written in your soul. All you have to do is ask for your soul to connect with you, and it will find a way or it will lead you to a person who can do this for
0: you. Beautiful. Agni, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and for sharing a bit about your story and your journey and the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work you do. You are a truly inspirational, beautiful human being. And I'm so grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for all that you do and all that you are. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Brad. And thank you for having me here and for this conversation and for giving my voice a platform to be heard and seen in the world. And Thank you for the Empowerography community. It's a beautiful and amazing community. And I'm so proud to be part of it.
0: Thank you very much. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Agni Vecchida. She is a business intuitive coach, a theta healing instructor, a Kaushik record reading practitioner, a radical forgiveness coach, and a soul collage facilitator. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, Agni.
1: Thanks, Brad. Hope you too.
0: Thank you.